You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein, live from the PropSwap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, welcome back to The Fix. We are live inside the PropSwap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Steelers and Bengals, we are live late into the third quarter there. And the Steelers coming back, not surprised by any means. Although, uh, Ryan Lindley, what the heck? 17-10 Bengals, live numbers 2.5 in favor of the Steelers, despite them trailing. Live total, 40.5. So if you want to make a live bet, still plenty of time to do so. But more importantly, it's now time for our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen, phillyvoice.com, Sports Illustrated at si.com, host of Extending the Play right here on 1490 every Saturday at 10 a.m. And follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. Eagles lose 33-26. So the question is, John, is this a moral victory for number two, the quarterback Jalen Hurts? Well, there are no moral victories. That's what the coaches always say. No style points in the NFL. It's about getting the win. But I, I you know, and and that's let's be honest, that's true. But uh, I do think you look at this team as a whole, the way they were playing pre-Jalen Hurts versus post-Jalen Hurts. I mean, they were just not capable of staying in a shootout uh, before he entered the lineup. And they were right there in a shootout with a really, really explosive team uh, offensively in Arizona. And you see it. I mean, Kyler Murray had a career high in passing yardage. DeAndre Hopkins went nuts, uh, as usual. Um, and they were they had a chance, really. And they were, you know, I think people look at the, the Hail Marys at the end of the game. I look at the drive before that, and the third and fourth down plays, really two seam throws. The first one to Dallas Goddard, I mean, he almost had that, and you could argue he should have had it. Byron Murphy got a, a, a you know, a fingertip on it, uh, but had a real good chance to haul that in, and then you're talking about a tie game, or maybe the Eagles go for two because Cam Johnson's hurt, they don't have their holder, uh, and who knows what happens from there, so uh, I mean, that's two weeks in a row. They beat the top, the then top seed in the NFC, and and then they nearly beat uh, a potential playoff team. Pretty much, um, a, a good chance to be a playoff team in Arizona. Uh, nearly beat them. So, offensively, they turned the corner with Jalen Hurts. So, if you're going to give style points, this is probably the time to give them. Yeah, and, and we don't know what that means, the style points. I mean, listen, he had 102.3 uh, to be exact, QBR, 11 carries, over 60 yards rushing, a rushing touchdown. He was He's now one of three rookie quarterbacks, John, since 1950 to have over 330 passing yards, over 60 rushing yards, and four total touchdowns or more in a game. Yeah, I mean, anytime you generate four touchdowns, I mean, that's that's a good game from the quarterback position, obviously. Uh, and uh, he is generating significant offense. I, I mean, 
they were just not capable of putting up these types of numbers with Carson Wentz and, and all the issues that were going on, which, you know, look, I, we've, we've said it all year. It went far beyond Carson Wentz, but the offensive line is, is still having issues. Uh, he, he took six sacks. That was one of the, the negative parts of it. And those two sacks late were – they really hurt um, – the team and I, I know Doug Peterson was upset about those you have to kind of understand the situation and that's some of the, the learning curve he's going through uh, it wasn't perfect but again the explosion and and you look at it and say you know still the same receivers still the same running backs not explosive playmakers there's not there's not DeAndre Hopkins on 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 the Eagles side there's not even Christian Kirk on the Eagles side. Um, and he's managing uh, to put up significant yards, significant points. So uh, you can't ignore it. I, I will say that. No, it's certainly hard to ignore, and we're going to get much more into the offensive side of things, trust me, um, during our, our conversation tonight and certainly throughout the week. But, John, I do want to – Talk about the defense because we talked about it all week long last week heading into the the weekend and into the matchup on Sunday. No Rodney McLeod. Um, you know, just how how decimated this team is, uh, particularly in the secondary going into this game against the Cardinals where they have a DeAndre Hopkins who absolutely went off and Kyler Murray who certainly had a very strong game. You can say he went off as well, but... Eagles young DBs persevere against elite playmakers, uh, and I know you detailed that on SI.com. So talk about the DBs and the defense as a whole, despite giving up 33. Yeah, it's weird, and they gave up over 500 yards as a, as a defense, and typically you would say, okay, that's just that's just a bad effort. And, and then you look at the game, and you, and you watch the game, and you go, wow, these guys really, really battled. Michael Jaquette, who, you know, had 51 professional snaps uh, before yesterday's game, and he's basically uh, tasked with with handling DeAndre Hopkins. And you say, well, he had 169 yards, he had nine catches, and and he is what he typically is. But but he also stripped him uh, inside the red zone. if you look at the, the touchdown that was essentially the game-winning touchdown, that's a circus catch. I mean, there's like two guys in the world that can make that catch, and the catch draped all over him. And that was even Kayvon Seymour early in the game when he had the big catch down the field, kind of peeled off and had a chance to intercept that one. These guys were in position to make plays, and um, – you know, sometimes you do have to tip your cap to great players, and that's what DeAndre Hopkins is. Uh, and he made a number of great plays, and he was forced. He was forced. It, it reminded me of a great defender, unfortunately, against you know Michael Jordan when he's going to score 40 no matter what. Uh, and But you made him work, and, and that helped other avenues uh, and, and kept you in the game. And one thing is, you know, Arizona came into that game having no turnovers in the red zone, zero. And they turned it over twice in the red zone. And it was Jaquette and it was Marcus Epps uh, at safety uh, replacing Rodney McLeod. And 
I'll tell you what, I mean, the starters couldn't generate turnovers all year. So you have to give them a, a, a little bit of a positive check mark for that as well. So let's uh, talk about our guy, Jim Schwartz, the guy that uh, fans or maybe just the Twitter fans love to hate on for various reasons. But, man, I mean, I give him the game ball. I give him the, the trophy for the Eagles side of things just after everything you detailed and what we witnessed on Sunday. And I know you can say, well, they gave up over 500 and over 30 and yada, yada. But, um, man, no grading on a curve. That's how you opened up your article on SI.com. But I think uh, you have to grade on a curve for this one for uh, Coach Schwartz. Yeah, and, and we'll talk to him tomorrow. And he won't. And he won't grade on the curve. And he'll say it's not good enough. And he'll give all the Jim Schwartzisms. But, I, I, yeah, that's one of those things. I have a disconnect with the fan base. This is a great, great defensive coordinator. Top five in the league. I, I mean, I just look. How many guys can – roll out what the Eagles rolled out at, uh, in the secondary and, and be competitive in, in a football game and generate those turnovers and at least uh, make the opposition work. Um, I, I don't know many. I, I know it's a really, really short list. Um, so the people who want Jim Swartz gone, I, I will never understand. He might be gone if Doug Peterson gets fired, but I'll tell you what, the odds that the next defensive coordinator is going to be as good as this one are really, really low. I'll say that. Yeah, it's um, it's been remarkable what he's been able to do. Um, various different like situations and circumstance I think we can point back to. And Sunday ranks for me, John, I don't know what pops up in your mind, but that, that has to be like a top five Jim Schwartz performance and people who are haters are going to laugh and say exactly what we've been saying, but I, you just, you just don't get it if that's all you see. Yeah. I, I mean, you can go back to the Super Bowl, and people say the same thing about the Super Bowl, uh, giving up 500 yards. And what people don't understand is sometimes games have personalities and this was a shootout and sometimes games are shootouts. And I'll use another NBA analogy, you know, when it's 140, 135, I mean, sometimes guys are just feeling it. And you you got to persevere, and that's the word I used, and, and try to get through the game. And they made enough plays to win the game. I, I, I think, you know, if you look at and, – and, and you do the autopsy and you say, okay, what is the reason the Eagles weren't able to get over the top? I think you got to give the offense a lot of credit. I think you got to give the defense a lot of credit. I think if special teams even shows up a little bit, the Eagles probably win that game. So, um, unfortunately, it, it turned a different direction, but there are three phases. And, you know, I, I, you go into that game again, and I, I, and I bring up Michael Jaquette, who's an undrafted rookie, who played 51 snaps. I'll say it again going against DeAndre Hopkins, and that's your best uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, that's your best player on, on a particular Sunday against a player like that. What else are you expecting? Uh, I mean, uh, if it were 40-7 to seven, uh, and he had 169 yards, I think that would have been uh, – more uh, uh, understanding, and, and I think the fact that he was forced to work so hard for what he got, I think it was pretty impressive. 
Talking with our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen. Follow John on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, host of Extending the Play every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. All right, let's transition back to the offense. And now it's the second straight game uh, with Jalen Hurts. We discussed to open up the conversation, just his numbers and what he was able to do. No moral victories, but... What does all of this mean now moving forward, John? Doug finally announced Jalen Hurts is the starter. Um, you know, you can talk about what you saw yesterday. Um, that's more of now a trend after two games than just a, well, who knows, let's wait and see. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think you have to give Jalen a, a ton of credit uh, for hitting the ground running. I, I think there were a lot of people that were concerned um, that it could look uh, ugly and it's looked the exact opposite. And he's elevated players around him, which was, you know, one of my major, probably the major criticism I had with Carson Wentz this season. So it's all good from Jalen Hurts. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, I, I don't we've said it from the start everybody knows it sort of behind the scenes i mean carson's not playing again this season uh unless jalen gets injured uh i i don't know why doug is going down this road of not naming him the starter uh, until his monday afternoon press conference i mean the players know it everybody knows it um and then you get to the off season which is um, when either, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's got to make this decision. It's not a Howie Roseman decision. It's not a Doug Peterson decision. Because uh, at the crux of it is, you know, anytime you're going to say, or we're going to write off $34 million, well, you got to get the approval of the guy who's $34 million it is. So that's really what it comes down to. So, I, I mean, if you start talking about who's going to be the starting quarterback of Philadelphia Eagles, I think in a vacuum, I think, you know, Jalen Hurts has outplayed Carson Wentz. He deserves to go into the offseason as the starting quarterback. It's not in a vacuum. Again, it's not your money. It's only one guy's money. And no one else has ever said, okay, let's flush $34 million down the toilet. No one in the history of the National Football League has ever come close to that number. The record is $21 million. you got to got to get Jeffrey Lurie to say that if you want to move on uh, from Carson Wentz. So this is a Jeffrey Lurie decision, and nothing about this organization, and I put this on Twitter, can move forward until he makes that decision. John, talk about the quote-unquote report that came out over the weekend saying Carson Wentz doesn't want to be here if he's not the starter. And I've been critical of Carson, but I'm like, how is this a story? I mean, no bleep he doesn't want to be here. He wants to start. (laughs) So what can you tell us? Sunday morning show story, which is basically, I mean, I, I, I try to put it in common sense terms for people. Challenge Hurts has started two games. He would not be happy with being the backup quarterback in this uh, situation. Of course, Carson Wentz is not happy uh, and wants to be the starting quarterback. Um, Point to me one other quarterback that said, oh, I'm happy being the backup. I'm happy getting benched. I I mean, it's not a story in short. But, 
Adam Schefter puts it out, and people think it's a story. It, it's already been said by local people a hundred times. Obviously, he's not happy. Doug Peterson admits he's not happy, but he says he's being a professional, and that's all he can ask for. Who would be happy about being benched? It's silly. Yeah, it's completely silly. I guess the only thing that's worth asking you is, all right, no duh, he's competitive and he wants to start, but could he go to the team in the offseason and say, listen, I don't want to be here. You have to trade me. And could that impact um, the offseason going differently? Like you said, maybe they will have to flush X amount of dollars down the toilet if that's the case, or no shot either way. Well, I don't think he's walking away from that money. I, I mean, you know, people can speculate about uh, renegotiating his contract to make things easier uh, to trade him um, or, or things of that nature. But why, why would Carson Wentz walk away from that money? Uh, it doesn't make any sense from that perspective. So, no, I, I, I don't think, um, uh, you know, he, he – you know, the player I compared him to on, on another show today was Stefan Diggs, who forced his way out of Minnesota because he wasn't happy uh, with the offense there. And he was, a, a you know, a diva, a, a, a pain in the you-know-what to get himself out of that organization. I, I can't even picture that because it's just not Carson's nature. It's not going to be that way. Um, so I... I in, in short, no, and and I think it it all circles back to that 180 where I said, I mean, this is this is one man's decision, and I I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is going to flush 34 million dollars down the toilet and set a new precedent. Remember, not only is he setting a new precedent for the Philadelphia Eagles, he would be setting a new precedent for the NFL as a whole. I don't think he wants to be that guy, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's um, that's opening a whole other can of worms just from the perception. And if you go down that route, I don't really see that happening either. But who knows? Um, all right, John, so you said last week, and I agreed, and if the Eagles win yesterday against Arizona – you feel like they have a strong chance of winning the NFC East. You may have even said it more confidently that they will win the NFC East. They lose. They lose looking good, whatever that means. Um, what do you give their chances now for the division? Well, yeah, I did say they would win the NFC East if they won that game. That's how close it was. And I, I would have been only more confident the way things shook out. Now, obviously, it's it's – from a statistical standpoint, it looks really difficult. If you look at the prediction models, it's about 9%. So you say, oh, 9%, uh, essentially 1 in 10. That's not good. And, and it's not good but because a number of things have to happen. But I got to tell you, Ron, really only the two biggest hurdles, and I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated, are the Eagles themselves. I mean, they've only won four games. So hurdle number one, they got to win out. Uh, and any time a team has won uh, only four games and you played 14, well, it's not exactly a slam dunk that you're going to be able to, to win two in a row. 
So that's number one. And then the second hurdle is Carolina's got to beat Washington on Sunday, uh, which, you know, is not a good team, uh, a 4-10 team. Um, there's some hope that Christian McCaffrey will be back, so that would, would certainly um, buoy the chances uh, of Carolina. And, and you look at, at, at Washington, I mean, if Alex Smith can't play, that's a bad football team. That is a bad football team. And there's no guarantee he's going to be able to play. Uh, and if Dwayne Haskins is out there, uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if Carolina beat Washington. Um, and that would be one domino. And the second domino is the Giants would have to lose uh, once over the final two weeks. Um, and they're playing Baltimore this weekend, who's in the midst of a playoff race, perhaps, I, I would argue, still the second most talented team in, in the NFL uh, behind Kansas City, uh, even though things haven't gone as, as hoped for them this season. It's a really, really talented, really good team, and you don't expect the Giants to beat them in a must-win situation for them. So, I, I mean, that 9% looks bad in black and white, but when you start looking at the competition, saying it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me <laughs> if the Eagles won this division. Still, it wouldn't shock me. I want to get your thoughts on the Pro Bowl announcements in just a second. Couple Eagles, uh, one longtime Eagle for the first time. But before we we wrap it up with that. I, I want to expand now outside the Eagles and um, get your thoughts maybe on the biggest surprise of the NFL weekend, the biggest storyline, anything that stood out to John McMullen from the games yesterday in the NFL. Well, I, I think obviously the marquee game was, was Kansas City, New Orleans. I, I, I think from a bigger perspective, I, I don't think it was any surprise that the Chiefs won the game, but I, I do think it's important uh, for the Saints to get back on track. And obviously they had to get Drew Brees back out there. He's not 100%, obviously. But I think it's more important for them to get sort of the rust off and make sure uh, he's ready to go for the playoffs. And, and maybe they could give a run at, at, to Green Bay or at least make things uh, a little bit interesting. Um, so I, I, I think that was number one. And I think you're looking tonight and – the continued struggles of Pittsburgh offensively, starting to get uh, a little bit of a running game, and that was certainly a necessity for them because it, their running game had just gone completely south. I mean, nothing. Um, and, and they got to fix things. So I, I think it's about some of these certain players. I just mentioned Baltimore. Is Baltimore going to be able to get in? I think that makes things more difficult for everybody. I think everybody's rooting against that team getting in uh, because they probably don't want to face them. Um, but, yeah, you start to look at these teams and who's going who's gonna to get hot at the right time, and that's generally who goes deep into the playoffs. We know Kansas City, but other than that. Yeah, it's just, once again, it's Kansas City and everyone else. And Pittsburgh, I've been defending them a little bit over the past couple of weeks, but... If they fail to come back in this one, which looks like the case now, there's about eight minutes left, they have the ball, but they're down by two scores. 
I don't know what to make of their current situation. Still would be at 11-3, and three, so it's not panic button time, but it is um, raise an eyebrow time for sure. Um, John, let's, let's talk about the Pro Bowls. Uh, a couple names from the Eagles. Uh, so if you want to give us the insight on that. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have four wins and three pro bowlers. So, uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit, I, I think, of a reputation thing, with the exception of Brandon Graham. Um, he made it for the first time, which is astonishing to me because he's been a, a pro bowl level player for about six or seven seasons right now. Uh, Fletcher Cox made it as usual, and that's sort of a reputation thing. He probably didn't deserve it. Uh, and then Jason Kelsey made it, um, and he probably deserved it, but he should have been the backup to Frank Ragnow, who's been the best center uh, in the NFC, but uh, he got the starting nod. But, you know, from a larger perspective, the problem for the Eagles is all three are still really good players, uh, and even Fletcher um, – I think that's his sixth straight. I mean, again, this probably not his best season, but he's still a really good player. The problem for the Eagles as a whole, though, is those are their three oldest starters. These three oldest starters they have, Kelsey, Graham, Cox, and those are their Pro Bowl players, and they're just not generating younger Pro Bowl players. And and that is the biggest issue of this organization people talk about Miles Sanders potential not close they talk about Dallas Goddard's potential he's not close uh, to the top players uh, at their particular positions right now Um, and uh, I mean you know Kelsey might retire after this season Um, you know Brandon's uh, getting older Fletcher's getting older you gotta regenerate you gotta turn over and the Eagles just have done a really really bad job with that Quez Watkins speaking of young talent versus old talent um had that nice catch on the bubble screen for 32 yards on a third and 20 and boy he looked fast I'm I don't know what that means but I'm bringing that up uh because Alshon Jeffrey and I know he's gone after this year, but man, all of a sudden he looks like he's actually playing out there. Uh, what do you make of of that? And was he really just not playing for Carson Wentz? And we've talked about this in the past as well. Yeah, no, I, I think all Sean was playing. I, I, I think, you know, Jalen just threw the, the ball a lot, and it was all a phase, and he didn't get an inch of separation on any of them. Uh, I mean, poor Patrick Peterson kept getting called. You know, he's a really physical guy, but he just can't. He just can't run anymore. And you just mentioned Quez Watkins. You saw the explosion of Quez Watkins, the speed, and it just jumped out on him, even more so when you compare it to even Jalen Rager, uh, who hasn't looked that explosive on film to me. I mean, he, he made that spin move, and he was gone. Um, down the sideline. It was pretty impressive. Um, and the Eagles made such a, a, a big thing about adding speed. We finally saw some of it. Uh, and we'll see what Quez can do. He certainly deserves to be playing over John Hightower. Uh, but now Deshaun Jackson, his 21-day practice window has started. So he's going to try to play. Um, 
over these final two weeks, and, and we'll see if he can get out there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, Doug feels comfortable with all Sean Jeffrey um, because he doesn't blow a sign and she understands the job. And so many of the young receivers have we've talked about it all season, run poor routes. It's not the right position, not doing what they're supposed to do. That's the reason he's out there. But, boy, it's painful, man. He got – he, he he had some production, um, and he had all, all the pass interference calls, but, man, he just can't get away from anyone. Yeah, he certainly looks old. <laughs> he certainly looks old. Um, but like you said, hey, at least Jalen Hurts is throwing it up to him, and he was able to make some plays, whether you want to say that's more of the defender than him on the P.I. calls, but move the chains at least. So I, I don't know what that means, but they need to get younger in a lot of areas. Uh, the Steelers punch it in 24 17 Bengals now. So we have a game. See if the Steelers are able to get a stop and get the ball back with just over five minutes to go in the Monday night matchup Steelers and Bengals. All right, John, uh, we appreciate it. As always, our NFL Eagles insider at JF McMullen on Twitter, phillyvoice.com, si.com is where you can find all of John's written work. And Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., John is extending the play right here on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. I appreciate it, my friend. Go watch the end of this uh, nail-biter. Looking forward to it. Well, not really. (laughs) uh, Thanks, Ryan. Talk tomorrow. Thank you, my friend. There he is. John McMullen will do it again tomorrow at 1030. And the rest of the week, well, we got Christmas, so short week here, but you get my point. Um, Good stuff from Johnny Mac, as always. And how about these Steelers? Punching it in now, and I never ruled them out of this game. Everyone's, oh, the Bengals and the Steelers, they look like they certainly have some problems. Stop it. Stop it. The Steelers are a damn good team, 11-2. and um, Ugly start for sure in this one, but plenty of time left. The Steelers have all three of their timeouts. The Bengals now, they need to figure out how to get some first downs and milk this clock and at least force the Steelers to use some timeouts. We'll keep you updated as we got to get to a break. One hour down, just like that. Two more to go on The Fix, live inside the Prop Swap Studios, AM 1490, Sports Betting Radio. Sports Betting Radio. Listen online at 1490sportsbettingradio.com.